A Prologue, Part Three of Snowdrift, A Story of the Land of the Strong Cold, by James B. Hendricks. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Roger Moline. Snowdrift by James B. Hendricks. A Prologue, Part Three. The north wind moaned and soughed about the eaves of the low log trading post on Lashing Water. Old Molaire rose from his place by the stove, crossed the room, and threw open the door. Seconds passed as he stood listening to the roar of the wind in the treetops, heedless of the fine powdering of stinging snow particles that glistened like diamond points upon his silvery hair and sifted beneath his shirt collar. Then he closed the door and returned to his chair beside the stove. Corporal Downey watched in silence while the old man filled his pipe. He threw away the match and raised his eyes to the officer. It was a year ago, do you mind, and just such a storm, when that squaw came bringing her black fox skin and her nugget of damned gold. It would be about a year agreed downey gravely nodding his head i made this patrol in february it's just a year the thirteenth of the month i'll not be forgetting it and have you had no word the old factor shook his head no word they left in may with the rivers not yet free of running ice two light canoes Margot could handle a canoe like a man. You'll probably hear from em on the break-up this spring. Maybe they'll give it up and come back. Molaire shook his head. You don't know Murdo McFarlane, he said. He'll never give up. He swore he would never return to Lashing Water without gold. He's scotch and stubborn as the seven-year itch. I'm scotch grinned downey hoping to draw the old man into an argument and turn his thoughts from the absent ones but he would not be drawn for a long time he smoked in silence while outside the wind howled and moaned and sucked red flames high into the stovepipe she'll be two years old now molaire said and maybe talkin a bit maybe they've taught her to say grand pere don't you think she might be talking a little? I don't know much about em. Do they talk when they're two? The old factor pondered. Why, it seems to me she did, the other Margot. But it's a long time ago, yet it seems like yesterday. I'm getting old, and my memory plays me tricks. Maybe it was three instead of two when she began to say words. Do you mind, Downey, a year ago we played whist? Two-handed cribbage is all right, suggested the corporal. But the old man shook his head, and for a long, long time the only sound in the room was the irregular tapping of contracting metal as the fire died down unheeded in the stove. The old man's pipe went out and lay cold in his hand. The bearded chin sagged forward into the breast of his woolen shirt, and his eyes closed. Beyond the stove, Corporal Downey drowsed in his chair. 
Suddenly the old man raised his head. "'What was that?' he asked sharply. Downey listened with his eyes on the other's face. "'I hear nothing,' he answered, "'but the booming of the wind.' The peculiar startled look died out of Molaire's eyes. "'Yes,' he answered, "'it is the wind. I must have been dozing. But it sounded like bells. I've heard the bells of St. Anne's boom like that, tolling, when someone died.' Stiffly he rose from his chair and fumbled upon the counter for a candle which he handed to Downey. "'We'll be going to bed now,' he said. "'It's late.'" End of A Prologue, Part 3 Recording by Roger Moline